understanding is that the Chiefs won the uh, Super Bowl last week. I have a, um, a really good picture for you. Unfortunately, it's not from this year. <laughs> Derek's a Chief fan, and he pointed out to me that 32 uh, uh, doesn't play for him anymore. And so I tried to find one uh, that I could see some of them that were looking on the Internet, and I could see some that I knew weren't from this last year, but I didn't realize that one. So... Anyway, Patrick, you know, he got to hold it up twice now, so it's all good, and uh, it was a fun game, had a great time of just being able to, to watch it and celebrate with him. Now, my little guy, he's really excited, look at him, yeah, I just want to tell you how to show him that one if the Eagles won too, okay, just for your Chief fans out there, okay, he'd have been excited about them too, so, you know, don't get too high and mighty on me now, okay, but it was a fun game, and uh, we're grateful for that. Think about this. The Chiefs, they reached their goal. But you know what? The Eagles, yeah, they didn't get there, but they came really close. And one for their discipline, one for their hard work. Uh, they wouldn't have been the game. They'd have been like the Broncos, <laughs> sitting on the sideline, waiting for next year, right? So I think you can say this. All the time, Getting 50% of a goal is better than 100% of the time of meeting no goal. Getting 50% of a goal is a lot better than getting 100% of no goal. Whatever you call them, resolutions, plans, disciplines, whatever it is. Getting a little bit can be better than getting none or getting 100% of so I, I have a goal for you. It's right here. It's in this book. It's out there in the, the round table in the lobby. It's the Easter Code, a 40-day journey to the cross. And this Lent begins on Wednesday. If you don't like that, we've chosen to call it at times 40 days of focus. 40 days to focus on Jesus as we look to Easter. In my heritage growing up in church, uh, we didn't do much about thinking about 40 days until we got to Easter. And then Easter, we put on our nice clothes. We celebrated Jesus. And that was kind of about it. But through the years, I've come to this point of people speaking in my lives and say, you know, it's really important to set ourselves up for Easter. Get ready for Easter. Thank you very much. And that's what we're, we're going to help you to do. We've got one person on board. It's good. All right. Hey, one's better than zero. Believe me. And this will help you. Simple. They're just, just a page long. Yeah, I know you have other things going. So do I. But the, the five minutes you're going to spend here, it's really good. Listen, what, what he, how he writes. Ash Wednesday begins the Lenten season for millions of professing Christians around the world. It is marked by a period of self-denial during which adherence for the 40 days leading up to the celebration of Easter will endeavor to, quote, give up, unquote, something for God. Many of the observers believe that giving up something for Lent is the path to pleasing God, but the Bible clearly teaches that grace can never be earned, for it is the gift of God, not of works. Ephesians 2, 8. The Easter Code is a call to freedom during the days of Lent. As we focus on repentance of sin and consecration of ourselves afresh and anew to God, it is a reminder that this is the 365-day-a-year discipline, and not simply a 40-day period of testing. We are called to a lifestyle of dedication and discipline. Remember, we are cleansed and made pure only through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, not through any feeble attempt of our own to please the Holy Father. 
While fasting, abstinence, and self-denial are worthy goals for all believers, they can never bring us into favor with God apart from His unmerited grace upon us. Salvation is not about guilt. It's all about grace. In the pages of devotions that follow, we'll be walking with Jesus along the journey to Jerusalem. Matthew records, From that time Jesus began to show to His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Along this journey with Jesus, we will be visiting places he went, people with whom he spoke, parables he told along the way, promises he left for all posterity, and the powerful and expressive prayers he offered for all those things that were right there. Pastoral alliteration. The journey to Jerusalem culminates on a Roman cross outside the city walls of Jerusalem, but it doesn't end there. This is why in our evangelical world we do not use the symbol of the crucifix, but also, but always, an empty cross to signify that death and the grave could not hold Jesus down. He arose. That's right. The ever-living Lord and Savior. While traditional Lenten devotionals omit the Sundays from Ash Wednesday to Easter and consist of 40 devotions, the Easter code consists of 42, including Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday with its promise of a second chance. Each devotion contains a devotional thought code word for the day, a scripture and a daily prayer. The code word helps unlock the blessing of each day's reading. Write it down, keep it with you, and ponder its meaning. Claim the scriptures your very own, climb upon them, and stand there throughout the whole day. Make the daily prayer part of your own walk with Christ as you repeat it often. Now it is time to begin this great adventure of walking with Christ daily on our own journey to Jerusalem. So pick up a book. One for family, please. And then take one for a friend. Pick one up, get back there in the middle table, right in the lobby. Looking forward to what God's going to do. I'll tell you this. Doing it for 23 days is better than doing it for zero days. Or doing it for 33 days is better than zero days. So go for it. If you miss a day, you miss a day. Probably can pick it up pretty easy. You can only take about three minutes or three days. Not, not very long. Enjoy it. Help us prepare to celebrate Easter because he has risen. Well, a wise guy we've been talking about, somebody who's skilled and expert at living. And Proverbs is written, its function is to help us to put godliness into working clothes, to live it out, make it a part of our lives, to internalize it, and then to live it out externally. The Lord wants us to see life from His viewpoint and evaluate everything according to biblical principles. Solomon reminds us, reveals the mind of God, as we said last week, in matters high and lofty and in common, ordinary, everyday situations too. And then a new one that I came across this week. I can't even remember where I got it in my study. But it says this, The Proverbs focus on the basic behavior of the righteous person and on man's proper relationship. Why do we have all those focuses, as these writers have said, as they studied the book of uh, Proverbs? So we would have a long obedience in the same direction. That our lives would be characterized by this long obedience to Jesus Christ all our lives, and it would be in the same direction toward Him. 
bring honor to Him, to lift Him high in our lives. What a privilege we have to be able to do that. So let me ask in that long obedience in the same direction. How'd you do with your tongue last week? Oh, you remember that sermon we talked about the tongue? Chapter 10. How'd you do? You're holding it very, very well. <laughs> the wise man once said nothing, right? Well, I would say this for me. Um, I did have some days with some really good long obedience in the same direction. But I also had some times last week where I had, no, I didn't have long obedience. I had a few defeats in the wrong direction. Maybe you could identify, right? And if we just hold on to that slipperiness, slip, it really is slippery, isn't it? Slippery little thing, how life would be better for it. Where you had victory, celebrated. The times that I, I had some victory this last week, I, I recognized that. You know, a couple times where I had to hold my tongue. I could have said something, you know, I could have defended myself or X, Y, and Z. You know how it is. But those times when we do the right thing, let's celebrate that. Let's be excited about that, that, that we did what we were supposed to do. And those times where we do fail and we let something out that we shouldn't let out, or we get frustrated at that computer, or whatever it is, and just take it to God, ask His forgiveness. He'll give us His forgiveness, and then move on. God, just help me to use it in a proper way. So that tongue is really, really important. Okay, so like many of you, I, I've been trying to read Proverbs each each day on the day. So. Um, last night we read whatever, what is today, the 19th? We read 18. Um, trying to kind of keep up with it. Some of you are reading it as we get to it. That's great. Thank you so much for doing that. But as I was, as I was reading a couple weeks ago, I, I noticed a word and a theme that I, I haven't noticed. I got, you know, I got a lot of, I got, you know, W's here for wisdom and I got T for tongues and I've got S for son when he talks, you know, hey, a son, I want you to do this. If the father speaks to his son. I've got various things going on there, a few things underlined and circled. But it dawned on me two weeks ago that I had missed this concept of righteousness. I, I, I hadn't noticed the word all the way through it. Righteous or righteousness or upright. And so on Monday afternoon, as I was kind of getting started, I just decided, well, you know, there's one way to find out how many times it's in Scripture, or it's in the book of Proverbs. So I just read the book of Proverbs. You can read pretty fast. You might have missed a few. But here's my, here's my unofficial count of the word. Chapters 1 through 4 is eight times. Chapters 5 through 7, zero times. I've got an extra essay there for emphasis there. Eight and nine, four times. Now look at chapter 10, chapter 11, and chapter 12. 14 times, 16 times, 10 times. That's 40 times. You're adding them up there. 40 times in three chapters. And 
then in chapters 10 through, or 13 through 31, there's, there's 54 times, but 10 of those are in chapter 21. So if you figure that out, 54 times in those 19 chapters, that's only that's less than three times in each of those chapters from 13 to 31 that the word's used. But look at how many times in chapters 10, 11, and 12. 40 times. I don't know if God was leading Solomon to write this and put it together. You know, whether he just kept flashing this righteous word in his mind, I don't know, but it's just, it's predominant in chapters 10, 11, and 12. Now, as I read it, and as you read it, look for the contrast between righteousness and evil, or wicked, or unrighteous people. Right? Here's God's word for us. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Here's the first one. The integrity of the upright guides them. But the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath. But righteousness, you might want to count too. Maybe it's a good pattern. Maybe I don't have the right amount there. But, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight. But the wicked falls by his own. The righteousness of the upright, two times, delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust. When the wicked dies, his hope will perish, and the expectation of wealth perishes too. The righteous is delivered from trouble. The wicked falls into a despair. With his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices, and when the wicked perish, there shouts of fright. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. By the mouth of the wicked, his hope is broken. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps the thing covered. Where there is no guidance, the people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Whoever puts up security for a stranger will surely suffer harm. But he who hates striking hands and pledges is secure. Gracious woman is honor. A violent man is gracious. A man who is kind, like this verse, a man who is kind benefits himself. But a cruel man hurts himself. The wicked earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live. But he who pursues those of crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, but those of blameless ways are his delight. Be assured, an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. Like a gold ring and a big snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Desire of the righteous ends only in good. The expectation of the wicked is bad. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers harm. Whatever blessings will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. 
Whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise upon earth. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more will the wicked and his soul? Did we come up with 16 tithes? start off with what does righteousness mean? We look at it in the dictionary, get a dictionary definition. It just means to be morally upright. It means to be justifiable. Uh, it means to be virtuous. Maybe you could use the word good in that regard. But when we look at it biblically, it's used throughout the scripture. When we look at what the word uh, righteousness means biblically, it means to be declared in right standing with God be made right in Christ. To have your sins forgiven. And have Christ's righteousness placed on your spiritual account. To experience His grace, His saving grace, and then His keeping grace throughout our lives. Now we understand this. Being good is not being righteous. They're not the same. Being good does not equate to being righteous. You see, lots of people do good. They help people. They're part of their lives. And you know what? That's good. It's good to do those things. They are right things. They're helpful things to people. But a righteous person does righteous things, God's things, because it flows from their righteous heart. The heart that is in right standing with God himself. Now here's what we know about ourselves. I read this in the Daily Bread, I believe on Friday, a little devotional book that we have out there. Isaiah 64, 6. We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a All the things that we think would get us to God because we do good are just like a filthy, polluted garment. Filthy rags is one translation. In God's eyes, because of who we are, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are what we call totally depraved. In ourselves, without Christ, we're totally sinful. We don't like to think of that, but it is true. That's who we are. Our heart is sinful. Now think about righteousness. It says of Abraham back in Genesis chapter 15, as God's given this promise to Abraham, you'll have a son, you'll have these generations that will come after you, and they'll be as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea gives him this promise, and here's what Abraham does with that promise. He believes God, that what God said was true, who God is. What did he know about him? Well, he didn't have the scriptures to be able to tell him like we know that, but he had this, he had this yearning for him, and as God was speaking to him, he understood that this God, the one who's speaking to him, was the God of the universe, the creator. What he could understand 
And he believed God in that. He said, I believe that what you say is true. I'm going to I'm gonna walk on your promises. And it goes on to say, and it was counted to him as righteous. Now that word counted is a, it's a, an accounting term. Some of the translations say it was credited to him as righteousness. You can go to Romans 4 and you can read more about as Paul looks at Abraham and this decision he made to follow God. He believed that God was, was the God of the universe and he said, I will follow you. I believe this promise. I will make you a part of my life. I'll follow you. I kind of like that, credited to our relationship. Credited, it was credited to him as righteousness. Um, on Friday, I went to the bank. I know some of you don't ever go to the bank before because way, way techier than I am, okay? But I still have to go to the bank every once in a while. And uh, so I had a check to put in as I was out and about. You know, I was thinking about that. I put in money that was coming to me. It, it belonged to me. I'd earned it. But when we get God's righteousness and it's credited to our account, it's not anything we earned or deserved. It only comes because it is grace. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. And yet we can have this relationship with Him because He deposits Christ's righteousness in our spiritual bank account. Our spiritual bank account is not just empty. It's like in the negative. Because we've sinned against Him. We're separated from Him. And Christ died on the cross for us so that we could believe like Abraham did and he would say, I'll tell you what, I'll put my righteousness into your account so that you have a relationship with me. And you are not going to earn that in any way. You should have been on the cross, not my son. But Christ got on the cross for you and for me. So that by believing, we could have his righteousness imparted to says that in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's a little bit different than maybe what's up there, but I remember. He made him who knew no sin, Christ, who is sinless, he took our sin upon himself. Why? So that we, through belief, by believing what he did in his death, burial, and his resurrection, we could have a relationship with him and we could be forgiven of our sin, and we could have His righteousness placed on our account. That's the righteous person. They didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. I didn't earn it. Christ did it for us. And when we believed and said yes to Him, we received the forgiveness of sins, and we received His righteousness. That makes a righteous person. And I say all that to say this. Maybe today there's somebody out here that's not in right standing with God. You don't have His righteousness on your account. You are not here by accident. You are here because God wants to give you His righteousness. He wants you to say yes to Him. 
come into relationship with him so you can be a righteous person. Yes, you're a good person. I see a lot of good persons out here. I see 500 of them. You're a good person. But your sin has separated you from the Father. And today, he wants you to say yes and receive his never done that, I'm going to say a prayer right here. You say this prayer in your heart. Allow Christ to come into your life. And Jesus died for you. He died for you. He's your only way. Yes. Precious. If you're not in right standing with God, He wants you to be. He opens the Yeah, at times. Family and friends, yeah, they guide us at times. 
But the upright, those who are faithfully drawing near to God, because they have this relationship, will have integrity, and it will guide them on the Lord's path. I think it says somewhere in the New Testament, by their fruit, you'll know them. Are what's a part of their life? Which path they're walking? Are they walking with lady wisdom? Are they walking with lady folly? Chapter 9. You'll be able to identify that. You see it in your own life. You know when you're walking the Lord's path, when you're not walking the Lord's path. Verse 5 says this, The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. Now when it says, when Scripture uses the word blameless, you need to understand this. Blameless does not mean perfect. Anybody out there that's perfect? Yeah, we all, yeah, we laugh at that because, like, yeah, we know that. Blameless simply means this: that, that a person is characterized by wanting to walk the Lord's path. They're not perfect, but they have this goal. They have this pursuit in their life. They have this desire in their life that they want to follow the Lord's path. They want to follow Him. They're characterized by that. You see it in their life. It's evident in their life. So the blameless, it says, keeps his way straight. Why? Because he wants to follow the Lord. That's who he is. He wants to be holy like the Holy One. What does it say in 1 Peter chapter 1? Be holy as I am holy. From Leviticus, from the book of Leviticus, he talks about, I'm a holy God. Therefore, you match me. We're not going to do it perfectly, but you match me. You seek to make that a part of your life, to live a holy life. Back in chapter 4 of Proverbs says this, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Don't swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from You want to walk the Lord's path. Why? Because you're righteous. You're like Him. Not perfect, but you're like Him. And you want to honor Him and bring the greatest joy. Verse 4 says, another verse that talks about righteousness. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. You're going to get five verses that talk about deliverance. Verse 6, the righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by the lust. Verse 8, the righteous is delivered from trouble, but the wicked walks into it instead. Verse 9, with his mouth the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge the righteous are delivered. In verse 21, be assured an evil person will not go unpunished, but the offspring of the righteous will be delivered. This is the type of things that you notice when you're reading through these books, and you notice, oh, five times in this book, five times in this chapter, he uses this thought of deliverance. Sixteen times he uses the thought of righteousness, but five times there's something going on here. He sees this as really, really important. What are we delivered from? We're delivered from the snares and temptations of this world. A man, righteous man, with God's help, will be delivered from those things that as new song music group many years ago let, me, let us not become entangled by the trappings of this world let us not become entangled by the trappings of this world why because we're following the righteous one we want to honor him because that's who we are we are righteous therefore this is the way we want to work not to walk over here and say well you know it doesn't really matter you know my culture says well you know this is alright no 
walk this way, the upright, in the Lord's path to guide him, the righteous we have, the work of God in us will guide us, and we will be delivered from those things that want to trip us up. Say in Hebrews chapter 12, but let us gaze upon him, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us let go of that sin, the sin that so easily entangles us. Let go of those things. Why? Because we want to walk in the Lord's path. And that's who we are. The second part. Righteous persons impact communities. Verse 10. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. Little guy. Where's my little guy? Should I have and when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. Verse 11, by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked is overthrown. And then I just added this one in here because it's a very popular verse. Righteousness exalts a nation. Chapter 18, verse 14, 34. But sin is a reproach to the community. Now when you read these verses, you might be saying as I am saying, really? Doesn't seem to be that way in our day age today. And remember this. When Solomon wrote this book, their communities were a lot smaller. Think about it. You really did, in a small community, you had influence. Today, you know, I mean, 33,000 here, a lot of people in Pueblo West, Pueblo, 100,000, our influence is just a little bit diluted because of the magnitude, the number of people. So, we have to think this way when we read some of Proverbs. And I read an article by John Piper. Great, great theologian, great preacher. Even my mom sent it to me this week. And he just talks about this thought. Think principles over promises. Because in our day and age, in our day and age, this is not happening. That. The blessing of the upright is city exalted. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. There's two illustrations. You'd stand up for the biblical principle of marriage that is between a man and a woman. You might be forced to resign your job like policeman Jacob Kersey in Fort Wentworth Police Department in Georgia. He posted on his personal Facebook account, God designed marriage. Marriage refers to Christ and the church. That's why there's no such thing as homosexual marriage. That's on his personal Facebook account. He was given a letter of notification from the police department that he could be fired if he posted any more, quote, offensive content on social media. He knew. He knew. He didn't stand a chance. Because he's going to stand for biblical marriage. So he resigned. 19-year-old. Doing a great job on the police department police department. But because he posted something biblical that it's true and right, it was offensive to somebody and they force him. He said, When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. Well, Fort Wentworth doesn't care. Or, in the corner, bottom, Jessica Tapia read about this. Christian teacher in California who chose not to follow the state laws about gender, dis gender discrimination. 
designed for us, and it's good, and it's right, and it will benefit us. Didn't make a big deal of it, but they fired her because she wouldn't go along with California law. Now, how does that fit? Here's what Proverbs says. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. They're not. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. No, that's not happening. So they say we have to look at Proverbs. These are principles over promises. We would like for that to happen. I can guarantee you this. A community would rejoice if righteous people and righteousness were allowed to impact community would rejoice in that. We hear the problem is guns and police and education, environment, TikTok, you name it. But the real problem is that our sinful hearts are at odds and war with the Lord. That's the real problem. Is that our hearts are at odds with God and they're at war with God. And we listen to the father of lies, Satan himself blessing of the upright in a community, I guarantee you, would bring less crime, less abuse, less immorality, and more peace, more care, and more grace. If we would live out what God wants us to do, why did, because it's good. He knows it's right. He created it. And he said, this is, if you'll follow me and you'll do these things, this will be good for you. We've chosen to say, no, I really don't care. I got my own got my own thoughts. I think. God said, hey, think about what I think, because I know what's best. Now, of course, righteousness can only reign if righteous persons live righteously. And unfortunately, we know that many even so-called righteous persons living just like the unrighteous world. That's us, brothers and sisters. That's many around us. If Joe say, well, yeah, I, I have God in my life, but, but this is all right, this is all right, this is all right, and they've fallen into a deceit trap. So what we need to do is we need to live righteously so that the world takes notice Here's what is right in the eyes of the Lord, who is righteous, who is fully holy, and knows what is best for us. And it could impact our community if they would listen. It would be good for our country. It would be good for our community if we would live righteously. Verse 19, whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, but he who pursues evil will die. Steadfast. Think about steadfast. If I were to come up to you and, and I had a $100 bill, some of you don't carry cash, so you don't care anyway whether I give it to you or not. And I gave you that $100 bill, I would expect you to hold on to that thing tight. Well, until you got to the store and wanted to spend it, right? But you'd hold on to it tight because it's valuable and it's, it's important. And Solomon says this, hold on to your righteousness, to how you live. Hold on to it. Don't let it.
it slip through your fingers. You become like the unrighteous world. Hold on to what God has put into you and then live that way. The steadfastness of the righteous will live. Verse 28, whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. We think about a green leaf, what does it, what does it, think, what does it tell you? A green leaf. Life, it's healthy, it's growing. They'll, they'll start here pretty soon after 60 degrees, you know, today and tomorrow. There's probably maybe some buds on those cottonwood trees, right? And then it'll get cold again, and then they won't come out again. But they'll come out about March or April somewhere, right? It's healthy, it's doing well, it's alive. Righteousness in our lives, living out that, will say to the people we're alive in Christ. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life for 30. There's four references in Proverbs, I noticed, as I was looking them up to the tree of life. Whoever captures soul is wise. To me, as I think about the tree of life, I think it's a picture of God's presence in our life. The tree of life, he's a part of us, and we're growing. We look like him, we're alive, and we're producing fruit, fruit that looks like him. This tree of life. The righteous is like the tree of life, has his life in us and his work that'll help us to, to help this generation and help this generation and help this generation to follow him. And I say, what kind of legacy are we living? What kind of legacy are we leaving for those people now and those who are coming? In verse chapter 3, verse 18, it says that she wisdom is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Now this verse, chapter, um, verse 30, chapter 11 here, um, has been used in the past to talk about sharing our faith. In the King James it says, he, he who wins souls, right, is blessed, or is wise. Whoever captures souls is wise, ESV. King James says, he that winneth souls is wise. NIV says, the one who saves lives is wise. New American Standard says, the one who is wise gains souls. And the contemporary English version says, if you act wise, the others will follow. They all could be true, but here's, here's what I want to take. And I want to take to that King James version. I grew up with that. Either win a soul's wife. Talking about helping people come to know Jesus. Here's where I'm going to need you to use your card. You got it? Would you pull out a card? Would you just reach forward and take a card? I'd really appreciate it. This is really important. Here's what I'm asking you to do. This is called the Hoosier One Project. Who is that one person in your life you want to come to? Who is that one person in your life who you want to know to come to know Jesus Christ? Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to ask you to put your name on there, at the top, at the beginning, and at the bottom. If you do it on the front side, it'll make it a lot easier for all of us. Okay? I want you to put your name up on top, and then on the, on the bottom down there, would you just put the name of that person that you're going to pray for, that you're going to care for, that you would like to share Jesus with? We've been doing this now for about five years. Morning, I pray through all those people you've given me through the years. And when you give me your name, I'm going to add like Sarah Adams. She's typed it up for me. Sarah, our violin player, has typed it up for me in the past. We're going to put that down. We're going to put your name there. And I'm going to have that list every Friday, Saturday, or Sunday morning. It's my Sunday morning prayer time. I'm going to pray for you. That person. I can't pray for you. I can't pray for that person unless you tell me who they are. Would you do that for me? These people need Jesus. If they don't come to know 
Jesus, they're going to have an eternity without Jesus away from him. And I know you don't want that. You want them to be in heaven with you. The least I can do for you is I can pray for you if you'll let me have heaven. So you take the card and would you just place it in the bucket back there when you go out? It would really mean a lot because I really want to pray for you. It takes me about an hour to pray for all the have more than one. You can have twos and threes and fours. I'll pray for as many as you put down. Because I want them to come to know Christ. And I want you to have that opportunity to share with Jesus. Father, this is a this is a really important thought to me. Because we all have people we know who are bound for a Christless eternity. They don't have your righteousness on their account. We want them. persons receive the Lord's reward. Probably don't talk about this enough. You talk like, oh, do this, do this, do this. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. I'm kind of a rule follower. Um, but we need to remember that when we do what God wants us to do, there's rewards for us. And we need that, don't we? Do you need that? Do you like having a reward? About the 31st of every month, I get a check from Majestic Baptist Church. I kind of like that reward. Kind of like it. It's kind of nice. Thank you. Thank you for providing that for me and my family, for other staff members. I'm grateful for that. But the fact is, there's reward when we do what God wants us to do. Just a few verses here. 23. The desire of the righteous ends only in good. Not easy sometimes, but in God's good, it ends that way. In verse 18, the wicked earn deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. 31, if the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner? A couple thoughts. Think about what could be rewards, but how about the fruit of the Spirit? When we come to know Jesus Christ, the Spirit comes to dwell in us, and He puts His life in us. And we get the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22. We get that. Man, what a good thing to have. I thought that song, that Zach Williams song this morning, you heard that a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. <laughs> he uses the, the fruit of the Spirit in there. Man, that's such a good song. <laughs> a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. That's such a good song. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit, how important that is. That's a reward. That, that is a part of who we are, of living righteous, these, righteously. These things will come out in our lives. That's a good thing to do. The, the wicked, man, they're going to get their due. If you're righteous, you're going to get your due. God will reward you. As I think about all this, again, I wrote down this thought. This statement I've given you many times. The only thing more costly than obedience is disobedience, right? And uh, you can put it this way. The only thing. Less rewarding than obedience.
righteousness. If you come to know Jesus today, let me know. His righteousness, and remember, that's who we are. His righteousness is on our account. He sees us through what Jesus did for us. And therefore, we live that way. We walk his path. We have his life. We have his reward. We can impact our community. Just keep trying and working on that. We can impact our community. And remember, he wants to lavish his grace. Ephesians chapter 1. Look that up and see. And the riches of his grace, he lavishes it on us. It is amazing grace. Isn't it? Incredible. Incredible what he's done for us. Please take the time to give me your also brings me into relationship with you too. Because we know when you pray for your one, I pray for you too. And it's such a privilege to be part of your life. Special, special. So fill those out. Put them back there in the buckets as you go out today and have your offering to really give. And thank you for your faithfulness. Amazing grace. Derek's going to come up and lead us. What a great way to finish out this morning. Join us in Sunday school.